Hey, hey everyone. Welcome to Home Energy Design. How to design a beautiful home and life and make sure it's energy aligned. I'm your host, Amanda Gates, and I'm an interior designer and feng shui practitioner. And these combined skills have made me a floor plan reading expert. Energy design is like astrology for your home and your life. And who doesn't want more of that? I believe in all things pretty. In fact, my team and I love the pretty. But what makes my firm different is that we can help you create designs that are also energy aligned to help you get the home and life you've always dreamed of. Are you ready? Let's do this. Hey, hey everyone, welcome to Home Energy Design. I'm your host, Amanda Gates, and today I have on clinical psychologist, Amy Robbins. Now, one of the reasons that I started this podcast nine or 10 years ago was because I wanted to help people on their path to enlightenment. At the time when I was really starting to wake up, you know, I had been kind of superficially in the woo. I had, you know, a tarot deck and had seen some psychics and had an astrologer at the time, but I was struggling a bit on how to take it a little bit further, how to take it a little bit beyond just the surfacey stuff whatever that looked like, right? I had no idea what that looked like, but I wanted to find out. And at the time of starting the podcast, I was embarking on a very expensive divorce. I was closing down my retail store and I was just really struggling to find my own way. This was, you know, beyond the tarot cards and the psychics. I needed something to take me a lot, lot deeper. And I couldn't find the tools, I couldn't find the tools that I needed to get me through this thing called the human condition, better known as suffering, right? (laughs) I mean, I had, you know, I really just felt like my entire world was being uh, uprooted and just imploding, you know, to to give up all of these things. and, And literally my entire life was turned upside down. And the thing is, is that as I found healers and therapists and holistic alternatives, I shared them on the podcast in hopes to help each and every one of you that listen to find your own path to enlightenment. I was finding some amazing nature paths and, you know, natural healers like functional medicine doctors and energy healers, and they were blowing my mind. I just thought they were incredible. And that is why I wanted to have Amy on the show today. At one point or another, we get sucked into this human condition. We lose our identity and we really need a captain to help us navigate our path, help us find our voice on our path. And this can be really hard. It can be really hard when you are in the depths of despair, right? can be really hard to have any kind of clarity when you're suffering, when you're struggling with unworthiness, maybe loss, grief, undeservingness, maybe some relationship issues. How do you make your life full again when you're lost in those below the cross emotions? How do you find positive above the cross feelings and emotions and then stay there? If you're just starting out on this journey, that can be really hard. And since this month is all about gratitude, I wanted to give you the tools to help you find your way. Because in order to find gratitude and truly feel in those emotions, you have to have a positive mindset. 
You have to, right? And that can be hard. I get it. Real quick, uh, I want to shift gears, talk about some quick housekeeping. Um, This weekend is the uh, class that I'm teaching at Half Moon Yoga. So the workshop will be a deep dive into the top five disruptors and how to read a floor plan. So if you're in the area this Sunday at three o'clock, come by. Uh, You can sign up on her website, halfmoonyoga.net, I believe is what it is. Uh, And I've also gotten a lot of emails from folks that are disappointed because they're not in the area and they wish that they can attend. I might try to record it. I don't think that I can film it because my camera only goes for 30 minutes and then the damn battery dies. So... Uh, but I may record it and have an audio. I'll think about it. But if that's something you're interested in, just shoot us an email at letschat at thegatescompany.com. I also want to mention my eco book, Easy Everyday Habits to Be More Eco-Friendly, is now available in print on Amazon. So um, if you're interested in learning more about that, you can just head on over to Amazon and purchase it there. And to extend the conversation about all the things that I'm talking about in the book, including uh, random acts of sustainability and also conscious consumerism, I've put together a website full of free resources that include the entire list of random acts of sustainability and conscious consumerism. And you can find all of that information at gatesinteriordesign.com forward slash let's chat eco. Alrighty. Today, Amy and I are going to discuss how to find your voice and your path, how to evolve and rise, even if you're stumbling your way forward. And oh, by the way, Amy also happens to be a medium who talks to your dead relatives, which helps you stumble forward a little bit more gracefully. It's going to be fun. Are you ready? Let's do this. Hey, Amy, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you. So we were just talking before we started recording the show. Uh, I just got back um, from traveling, so I have some ick and so does Amy. So we're going to try not to cough into the show, but um, we both sound kind of funny. So just go with it. It's fine. Right, Amy? Yeah, I guess this is what happens. You, you come back from Disney and you bring this with you. Oh, good Lord. Well, yeah, that's a Petri dish. So you, you're definitely worse off than me. So, you know, you are a clinical psychologist. Uh, Explain to the audience what the hell that is. It's a lot of years of school is what that is. (laughs) And debt. Right. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. That I don't even think about because that just gets pulled right out of my account. So that's like, you know, just that doesn't happen. Yeah, Don't Uh, show it to me. Right. So I study the human mind and the human condition is how I think is is most simply put. Um, Many of my years in schooling were, you know, looking at theory and practice of uh, applying psychology, applying therapy to the human condition. So I'm a a therapist, basically. Um, That's just clinical psychologist is a fancy word for that because I went to school for a long time. So I wanted, my ego wanted a little bit of credit there. (laughs) Well, yeah. I mean, if you're going to spend that kind of money and go for that long, you definitely deserve the fancy title. I mean, you just do. (laughs) Right. Right. I know. I know. It's starting to not be as important, but certainly for a long time, I was, you know, it was something to, I felt really proud of um, and still do. But I think really what I love about it is the work that I get to do. 
Yeah. And I mean, wow, the human condition, that's such a, a weighty um, outlook. You know, so many of us have so much baggage and so many, um, the human condition is like a rabbit hole, right? I mean, you could really, there's so many different directions that you can go. I'm curious, why did you want to go into this field? What really intrigued you about the human condition that made you say, man, I really want to go into this and I, I really want to help people? Yeah, I think I I sort of stumbled into it a little bit. I was a psych major in undergrad. My grandfather was a pediatrician. I come from a family of, of helpers and healers, family of doctors. My dad's a dentist. Um, and so I really was intrigued by it. But frankly, I wanted, I thought I wanted to be a lawyer. I, after college, I, I was a psych major, but after college, I wanted to do consulting and I ended up not getting a consulting job, which was crushing to me and very anxiety pr provoking. And I started therapy after I had, I had experienced a loss and then kind of the loss of this identity that I thought I was going to be. And when we're 22 years old, I mean, really who the hell knows what you're going to be, but we all think we're supposed to know. And I had a degree and I thought, oh my God, how can I not have a reputable job coming out of college? And I ended up getting a job selling radio airtime, which felt so empty and meaningless to me. Not saying that's everybody's experience, but for me, it just didn't feel fulfilling. And I, through my work in therapy, I actually quit my job and waited tables and which I think everybody in their life should have to do because it's a very, very humbling experience. Amen. Wait tables. And really talk about the human condition. I mean, there's nothing that gives you insight more than that. I actually carry something around in my wallet still that says a person who's nice to you but rude to the waiter is not a nice person. Um, <laughs> I love that. Right? I know. It's so true. And I think I learned a lot doing that and also took some time to explore. I volunteered at Children's Memorial Hospital. I live in Chicago. They had a partial hospitalization unit for uh, children who had been in inpatient care and then moved into outpatient care, or, or who were moving to outpatient but still needed uh, a, a stronger kind of therapeutic setting before they could really go back into their home. And I just fell in love with the feeling of making a difference in someone's life and helping to move someone forward. And so I applied to grad school. And that's kind of how I, I stumbled into this. And it has continued to evolve in time as I've evolved, I think. Is, is, and, th and that really, to me, is the lesson in anything in life. Like, you can keep evolving, evolving even if you've chosen something, even if it doesn't feel right. You just keep going with it, and it will lead you to something else. I love that you use the word stumbled because I think that, you know, I agree. You know nothing in your 20s. Like, just get over it. You don't know anything. Um, but I love this idea that you say that there's a loss of identity. Like, I think so many of us have a trajectory that we think that we need to go on. Many who listen to this podcast know I was pre-med. I got accepted to med school. And at the 11th hour, I ditched med school and became a advanced feng shui practitioner. And a lot of people um, were like, oh my God, how could you give up such a, you know, an acclaimed and esteemed field for, you know, something else. And I think that uh, it really is that 11th hour that, that really shines through um, 
what your soul purpose is and finding what, you know, you're here to do. And from that, I'm really curious, you know, what has changed for you since you went into it? Because I think a lot of us go into a field for one reason. There's that pivotal moment that, you know, we think this is why we're going to do it, but then you get into it and it blossoms into something else. You learn something new, a truth, you know, is revealed. And that thing is what sets you on your truest path. That It's like you, you, you start to align with that purpose, but then that truth is revealed to you and you're like, holy crap, this is it. This, you hear the angel singing and like, this is it. So I'm curious right. what, what's changed for you since you went in and now you're doing it, uh, you know, full force as a living. Well, so I want to just go back one second to, to talk about what you said at the beginning of, in terms of like switching gears. And I think that is never without struggle. So I just want to be clear. It wasn't like, oh, one day I decided I didn't want to be in sales. Like there were tears and feelings of like depression and anxiety and not being enough and all of that. And you got to work through, of course, I'm a therapist, so I'm saying this, but you got to work <laughs> through that. It's not just like, oh, okay, I'm just going to switch without feelings and emotions around it. So I just wanted to address that before answering your other question, which is, so I started working with kids. A big part of my journey has been the loss of my aunt who passed away when I was 18. I was a freshman in college. And so my development psych psychologically and spiritually sort of went hand in hand. And I didn't realize it at the time that my spiritual development was going hand in hand with my psychological development. But she really became a, 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 guide, a, a guide to me from the other side, but also her life, her life and how I understood her life psychologically was one piece of it. And then how I understood her life spiritually, because I started having visits from her, which is, you know, how you and I kind of found each other was through you, you, I think, tuned into my podcast, was that she started coming to me in dreams and visits and so she really, I feel like, has guided me to the place where I am now. And I started working with kids. I ended up having my own kids. The hours were difficult. It was really challenging to work with other people's children and to see things that were happening in parenting. And, and I just kind of pivoted away from that because I knew I wanted to be with my kids. I wanted to be around after school for them. So I had to figure out what was going to make sense in terms of my own life and what I wanted for my life. So I started working with adults, really dealing with anxiety, depression, relationship issues. I mean, I always say when people say, who do you work with? It's like, it's not some mystery. I'm working with people just like you and me. Every single person in this world could use someone to talk to, to work through stuff, to bounce ideas off of, to have an, a, an a unique perspective that doesn't really have an investment in it ending one way or the other, unless it's the best for that individual person. And then the spiritual piece of things has really been percolating for some time. And it's, I, I've been trying to find my voice in it and I've not been out of the closet, so to say. And I explored different paths of how to use the spiritual 
piece, how to use my spirituality, how to use my ability to connect with people who may have passed. And I tried on lots of different shoes there and some fit and some didn't fit so well. And then this podcast, which is my new baby, has emerged from that. But I I also feel like this isn't the end. It's just the beginning of a new phase of growth for me. And I think if we can look at our life as constant springs, basically, I live in Chicago, so finally the flowers are blooming and the sun is shining. And that every, every year can be, it doesn't even have to be a year, but there, there are times always to kind of rebirth and re-earth and re-find and figure out and journey and, and kind of meander on the path. Yeah, and I, I love that, you know, I love that you help people really understand their unconscious thoughts so that they can make decisions with awareness. You brought up this idea of, you know, um, so many times we think that, you know, somebody gets from point A to point B and it's a straight line and it's unmessy and um, it's perfect. And, you know, you brought up the idea of grief and loss and unworthiness and deservingness. And there's all of these icky emotions that go with the human condition and the, the decisions that we make. And I think today it is harder more than any other time to really be vulnerable and to show that truth because of social media. Everything is so pretty and amazing and everybody's lives look so perfect. And it's like, well, I don't want to be the vulnerable one over here going, oh, well, I'm not having that experience. I don't feel that way. So I think that people are feeling more and more isolated and and more and more lonely than ever before. And they don't want to admit that they have those feelings. So I love that you teach people this level of mindfulness. And I'm curious, why is your style is different, but why is your style of mindfulness so critical for people to be able to rise above this human condition that, you know, that we call suffering, but it's a true suffering. Well, right. And one of my teachers, Kathy Goggin, who I love and who really was the person who encouraged my spiritual growth. She and I were talking recently and she said, you know, pain is inevitable. And people have probably heard this before. Pain is inevitable. Suffering is optional. And I know that that's really triggering for people. But, but when, what she said to me that seemed so clear was pain is inevitable in being human. Suffering and pain is what is. Suffering is wishing that it was different than what it is. And I think that social media is what puts that in our face all the time, is that belief that everybody else's life is different and better than mine. And that inherently causes suffering because you're comparing it to, and I'm guilty of it too. I mean, I'm, I'm, I always, when I talk with my patients, one of the things that I am, is really important to me is authenticity. I can sit in the chair and I can know theory and practice and application and I also get sucked into life and raising kids and social media and comparing myself. So I think that it's the mindfulness comes in the awareness that you're doing that, that it's happening, and the ability to stop yourself from it. And mindfulness is obviously a huge buzzword right now. And I kind of feel a little bit bad for Freud because although he didn't talk about it as mindfulness, he talked about the process of making the unconscious conscious, which is really a traditional psychotherapy model 
of becoming aware of the things that have happened to you, the things that happened to you in your childhood. That doesn't necessarily need to be things that your parents did to you, but it could be things that happened with friends that are unconscious triggers for how you are currently responding in relationship to someone else or to something else. And that to me is really a big piece of what mindfulness is about is can I be aware enough of what is going on with me to know when I'm feeling an emotion, when an emotion is getting triggered for me and not react from that emotional space. Mm. It's really, I always tell my clients, it's really being able to step back and, and take a bigger picture, kind of get the, the grander scheme of what's happening. And, you know, it sounds so spiritual, but I always say, okay, rather than saying, why is this happening to me? What is, what is the lesson you're learning? Mm -hmm. How but can I grow to, from this experience? Yeah, yeah, but you have to really be able to step back and... Um, I'm curious, we've, we've hinted a little bit what uh, the audience may not recognize just yet is that uh, Amy is also a medium. She has this special, uh, special secret sauce. Um. <laughs> Hardly. I still can't even say it. You can see I still like am tiptoeing around what's really. Oh, honey, I totally there. understand. I was in the closet about feng shui for years. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, there's a lot of, um, you know, there's stigma attached to therapy, but but stigma attached to you know to talking to dead people is a whole a whole nother level. Right, and I want to talk about that because you talk a lot about emotional health on your website, and mm -hmm. it's such a sticky, freaking taboo topic, and it drives me nuts. I know three people in my life that are bipolar and have mental illness. And, you know, why should we, why should emotional health not only be a priority, but why should it be taken seriously? I mean, I feel like so many people shove it down and it's poo-pooed and it's like, get your shit together and, and pull your pants up. And, and it's like, it's a real thing, you know? And like you said, you mix in this idea of, oh, well, I'm also a medium. Well, now you're certainly crazy. You right. <laughs> right. And, and that's, I mean, I've become more open about the fact that I was in there. I had, I had a, I have a really great family, so I'm lucky. And I was still in therapy for 17 years. So, um, and that isn't because I didn't get anything out of it. It's because I was getting so much out of it. I always say, go for the crisis, stay for the growth. That's sort of what therapy is. No one ever goes into therapy being like, oh, I'm really wanting to grow. They go in because there's some, there's a thorn in their side. And why emotional health? I mean, we could focus on our physical being from now until the end of time. And if you don't address your mind and your soul, you could put any good ingredient into your body and it will not make a difference. Our mind, our energy, the thoughts that we have influence and impact the cellular structure of our body. There is science behind this. Um, and so if you are not focusing, <clears throat> excuse me, on your emotional well-being and your emotional health, you, you're going to hit roadblocks over and over and over again. And I think spiritual health is a piece of that. And that doesn't necessarily mean religion. I think spirituality, I think of spirituality different from religion. To me, spirituality is about exploring a sense that there 
is something out there that is bigger than, than just us, that is more connected than just us, that we are more connected to each other and to this world and to this universe. And that's a really, really powerful experience to have once you can sit with it and be in it because it changes the whole way you look at the world and you look at your interactions with everybody else. Back to being a, being a server, right? People think, people make assumptions about positions that we have based on ego that we are more or less than as a result of that. And when we realize that we're all connected and we're all people, it changes how we treat everybody. Everybody's got a story. Mm. Amen. I agree. I think that um, having that, I always say people need spiritual matter in their life, whatever that looks like for them, but it does. It, it teaches you that kindness matters. And I, I love the saying that you said about the, you know, how people treat waiters. Um, I think that, you know, if you can't see that, then you certainly don't have enough spiritual matter in your life. And uh, earlier this week, I was reading an article, it was in the USA Today, and it was talking about texting instead of yelling how families talk now. It was written by Edward Begg. And I think that people are really losing their ability to talk. We're getting, once again, we're getting isolated in our technology and stuff. And with your expertise, you know, I, I think that this is, you know, affecting our emotional health. I think it's affecting our ability to be able to speak up about the grief and the unworthiness and the deservingness. So how do we, you know, in your opinion, how do we start to fix this? How do we, how do we come back to that all knowing of, yes, we are all connected. We are all one. We're in this together. You know, we're here to help one another and rise above the suffering. So it's a, it's a process. And I think we don't, everybody makes so many assumptions now, I think more so because of social media about what other people's lives look like. And we, we have to start talking to one another. One of the things that even I committed to doing this year was taking a half hour or 45 minutes to meet a friend. I just came back. I was, I just went for a walk with a girlfriend this morning, something that I wouldn't, always do because I'd be like, oh, I got to get to the gym and then I got to, you know, start my day. And, and now I'm like, you know what? A walk gives me an opportunity to connect with a friend. It gives me an opportunity to be in nature. It's not something I can do nine months of the year living in Chicago. So when that time comes, it, it just feels like I need to be doing those things. So there's small things to do, but I wanted to talk about this article that I recently came about, it's Dr. Dan Siegel. And Dan Siegel runs the, I'm going to, um, I'm going to forget his institute out in California, the Mind, Mindsight, Mindsight. And he's written a ton of books, um, The Whole Brain Child, Parenting from the Inside Out. I mean, he's got a lot, a lot of books on, on connection and meditation. But I think that a lot of what we read over and over again is mindfulness and meditation. And he came out with what's called the healthy mind platter. And I like this because it, it feels different to me than some of the stuff that I keep hearing repeatedly over and over again, which for me starts to feel a bit generic. But he talks about focus time, play time, connecting time, physical time, time in. Um, and I think, what is 
So, so sleep time and sleep time. Sleep time, sleep time, physical time, focus time, connecting time, play time, downtime, and time in. And each of those is so important. None, there's no screen time on there, right? It's not like, oh, well, we all get our two hours of screen time a week. <laughs> yeah. You know, the, the downtime and the play time for me is, and frankly, the American Academy of Pediatrics is now actually making this a recommendation. So we've gone from a recommendation to limiting screen time to a recommendation about kids needing play time. What does that say about where we are in our society? That we need to allow kids time to play. Because when we play, we develop imagination and we develop creativity and we have freedom and we're connected to ourselves and we're in our bodies. I mean, think of when kids play, right? It's so free. They're on the grass, they're in the dirt, they're in nature. They're hanging from trees in like a real traditional sense, you know, not now they're hanging from jungle gyms, but there's a, an ability to connect with ourselves and with others that we just don't have anymore because we are so bounded by these devices. And, and, and because of that, we don't know how to communicate with each other either. We think we can say things on social media that aren't going to hurt, but when you have to look someone in the eye, what you say and how you say it is going to come out a lot different. Mm. Without a doubt. It's funny that you're talking about that. And I love this. Um, physical time, focus time, sleep time, connection time, downtime, and play time. I think there might have been one more. But time in. Time in. That's the meditation time, piece. Time in. I love this because I think that um, it's such a great it's kind of stupid, but it's a great reminder of how we really should um, be in being embodying this, this human meat suit that we wear temporarily while we're here. Like this mm -hmm. is what it's really all about. This is mm -hmm. what matters most. And I was actually just listening to uh, Oprah's podcast yesterday. I love one of the things that I always recommend and that I do every morning is I add spiritual matter to my morning. And so um, one of the common things, not always, sometimes I read, but one of the common things I do is I will listen to, um, like your podcast. I, I love listening Thank to you. She has a lot of, um, yeah. really great stuff on, but yesterday's show, uh, was actually with Julia Roberts. It was recorded last year and Julia has never been on Instagram and she decided to join last year. And she put up a great photo of her niece, Emma Roberts. Uh, she and, and Emma, I think Emma had been staying at her house and uh, they got up. It's like 7.30 in the morning and Julia was just like, oh my God, this child is so beautiful and amazing and she's a prolific reader. She's highly intelligent. Like, I'm just so proud of her. What a, what a enormously beautiful, great human being she is. And her husband had taken a photo of them sitting at the kitchen table and Julia was having, I think, coffee and, and Emma was having a cup of tea. And it was just, she was so enamored by the moment. It was about the joy and the beauty and just the energy behind the moment. And so she, it was, I don't know if it was the first one, but it was one of the first photos that she had shared on Instagram. And she let people know that this photo is about the joy. This is about, you know, the, the essence of the joy and the happiness that I'm feeling. And all, it was like 5,200 comments of, I didn't know that you two were related. 
uh, man, you haven't aged well, man, you look terrible. Like that's where it, the direction went. Uh. And it's like, that wasn't even the point of it all. The point of it was like connection. And I'm sitting down with my niece who I love and I adore and we're having a moment and we're sharing, um, you know, this beautiful conversation and like everybody should be doing this and this is how you should sp spend your morning. And instead it's all of those shitty comments about mm -hmm. how she hasn't aged well and how she isn't pretty anymore. And, you know, um, just all these berating comments. And I thought, man, if you were to meet her in person, would you really say those things to her? Or is it mm -hmm. just because you're hiding behind a screen? Right. And also what is it, what is it saying about you when you have to say those types of things? What are, I mean, whenever I, someone flicks me off in traffic or yells at me, you know, of course my first instinct is to be like you, asshole right back. But when I stop, I, and I say this to my kids, I say, oh, it must really stink to be that angry in this world, to be mm -hmm. that frustrated and unhappy that everybody else has to get the wrath of your experience versus you, <clears throat> excuse me, stopping and taking a look inside, which is painful. I get that. But it's, it's, it's hard to look at yourself but it doesn't feel good and it will come back to you. If you don't get these, these growth, if you don't understand these growth points here, these, these times when a mirror is being held up and you look the other way, you're going to get it on the other side. That's one of the things that I, I'm for certain of. And you will likely come back again to learn it and it will be harder the next time. So <laughs> you, can you can try, but you can't. So you might as well wrestle with it now and get it this time because it's not going to get easier. Yeah. I, I think that the, um, the thread here is, is just really be kind and inspire kindness. And it reminds me years ago when I was in college, I had a, a letter that I needed to get into the mailbox and I was going up to one of those group mailboxes and the mailman was standing there and he started to turn and he was walking away to go to his car back to his mail truck. And I was like, no, 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 no. I need to get this in. And he just looked at me and said, so sorry, I guess you're going to have to do it later. He was so snippy and so mean. And I, I ran up to him and I gave him a hug and I said, that's okay. I'll do it tomorrow. And he was so dumbfounded that because he was unkind to me and I turned around and showed him kindness in return, he was just like, I can't believe you're being kind to me after that. He said, I will take your letter. Thank you for te you know, teaching me that. But he was having a bad day. Something obviously bad had happened to him. And the moral of this story is that you know, when somebody does flip you off or somebody is short with you or somebody says something to you, bathe them in kindness. You have no idea what has been going on in their day. Mm -hmm. You have no idea what's going on in their life. They may have just lost their mother. They may have just found out that their spouse was cheating on them. You have no idea. So show compassion and show kindness because that one little breadcrumb could turn everything around for them. Well, and I, I sometimes look at those, those moments as a challenge. Like, let me see if I can melt the shell. Mm. You know, let me see if I can soften this person just a little bit to open up, to be a little kinder, because then they can start practicing that kindness towards themselves. 
Mm, what a great task. I want every single listener today to take what Amy just said and turn it into a game. How much kindness can you sprinkle out there and see and just think about all the change that you've done? I mean, what a great task for the day. That's everybody's homework for the week. <laughs> and let me know. I want to know what, what you do and what happens. So yeah, tell I us also about. wanted to touch back on the Julia Roberts, <clears throat> excuse me, joy piece. This notion of like this quest for happiness, I think is something that is definitely getting a ton of screen time, right? TV, media is all about happiness. And I think what's so beautiful about that post is that happiness in her, I mean, we would probably all project that she has this amazing life, right? She's a movie star. She's got three kids and a wonderful husband. And we have no idea. But her joy is in a very simple moment. moment. Yep. And, and happiness is not, pardon me? It's a moment that all of us, no matter what socioeconomic background we have, it is a moment that any one of you could have, any of you. Absolutely. And it, it is, those moments can be fleeting, but stringing those moments together is what brings fullness to a life. I don't want to say happiness, fullness, because life is full because we have a range of experiences, not just because we only have joy. I can't know joy without pain. Mm. And I, when you Great really moment. can start to notice those moments, they're so powerful. And if you have children or can be around children or animals, those moments are so pure mm. because they come from a place of soul more than a place of ego or you know, where, where we go as humans as we get older is, is much more in our brain, in our mind, than, it, than from our soul. Yeah, we are definitely a, a heavy left analytical thinking society. Um, we, we've touched on it a couple of times, but I want to shift gears here. I want you to talk about your fantastic podcast. Her podcast is called Life, Death, and the Space Between. Why did you decide to uh, come out of the closet in this way and do this show? And what is it giving back to you? What are, you, what, what are the rewards that you've been getting from it? Oh my God, what it's giving back to me is so much more than I will ever put into it for sure. Um, and I apologize, my voice sounds so froggy to me, so I'm sorry about that. I think um, we both are that way. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, everybody, I don't normally sound like this. I don't think I normally sound like this. Um, so the podcast really birthed from my exploration. My second episode is my story, so I won't go into it in huge detail here because I want you guys all to go over to the podcast and listen to it. But um, my aunt passed away when I was 18. She was like a second mother to me, extremely close family. She died of complications from diabetes. She was 48 years old. She left behind a son and a daughter. Yes, yeah, she was young. Um, I was 18 at the time, and it was really just troubling on so many levels. I had had a few losses of friends, which at that age is pretty young, and those were also pretty earth-shattering for me. And I just couldn't – it was so – I had so much anxiety around 
life and death and what's going to happen and this need to control everything. And like I said, I was in therapy and my anxiety was like through the roof and I had had a panic attack in college and um, she came to me in visits and through those visits there, I started having peace with this notion of there's a lot I can't control. I clearly there's something happens when we die that doesn't make it the end because she's somehow back in my bedroom having a full <laughs> conversation with me. <laughs> um, and, and it did feel like a, it, it was in a dream state. It was not a dream. And I think anybody that's ever had a visit will say that that is absolutely the case. Started happening more frequently with um, other loved ones who had passed, who were coming through with messages. It started happening with patients, loved ones. That's when I was like, whoa, 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 this cannot be. I'm a therapist grounded in scientific theory, not a medium. So I really explored it. I, I did some work with the medium for a couple of years to learn how to kind of use it and harness it. And it really, was this something I really could do? I ended up doing my own spiritual mediumship because I don't like to do anything if I don't feel like it really is effective and I, it has some grounding and some, and very much grounding is important to me. And it's also important when you're working with with energy from beyond, with spirit energy, because you have to be grounded in this physical plane. Um, but I did that internship. And when I say internship, I sent an email out to friends and people who were close to me that I felt comfortable sharing this with and said, hey, I know this is going to sound a little bit out there, but here's a little bit of my story. And I want to offer readings to anybody who is interested in, in connecting. I'm just trying. You don't have to pay me for it. I just want to see what happens. And so some were friends, some were friends of friends that I didn't know. I did it for what was supposed to be a month, turned into three. And it still didn't completely feel like the right fit for me. I like to really get into the meat of stuff with people. And I felt like a one-off kind of reading while extremely powerful, incredibly healing, that there was more to do. And really struggled for years with okay, so I'm not going to be a medium. And friends who knew me said, oh my God, but you have to do this. You have to do this. And <clears throat> then that felt like it would be coming from ego and not from what my soul needed me to do. And so I continued exploring and I thought, okay, maybe I'll launch a course having nothing to do with mediumship. And I bought this expensive online course to teach me how to do a course and I got to the end of that and I was like, this feels shitty. It feels forced. It feels salesy. It's not me. And then the other part of me is like, but you just spent a lot of money on this. So you should do it. And I'm like, but it, feel, it doesn't feel aligned with my soul. And so then I scrapped that. And then for a long time, I'd had this feeling of a pod. I love to talk. I love to talk to people. I love to teach. I love to educate. And I was like, maybe I should try this podcasting thing. And so I did. And I took a leap of faith, literally. And it's been unbelievable. The, the guests that I've been able to connect with, the people that I've had on, it's, it's, it really is when you put yourself in alignment with your soul. And 
It's not, again, not easy to do. I don't sit on a mountaintop and meditate. I, that's part of my work, but I also have, I work with someone who helps me with energy and I go to acupuncture and I recognize that there are people who can't do these things because of affordability and, but there, there are always small things that you can do. There are apps available to meditate. There are ways to be in nature, to connect with yourself that are free. And you, and you can take 10 minutes. It doesn't need to be more than that to start this journey. And things have just flow, flowed from there. Um, and I, I just love it. And the reception that I've gotten and people reaching out and saying, thank you for opening my mind. Thank you for helping me think about things I've never thought about. People, friends who have struggled with anxiety and depression for a long time who this gives them hope that maybe there is more out there for them, that they can reframe what they're dealing with in a different way. Not to say that this is the panacea. This is not going to heal you of everything, but it is part of a package that can be incredibly healing. I'm curious. I mean, you have this amazing gift um, that kind of came to you haphazardly. I'm, I'm sure it was always there, but it took the trauma to really wake it up in you. And now you're, you're really, I would say that the podcast is, is kind of forcing you to step fully into it and really embracing it. And um, I'm sure it's opening you up in, in more ways than you could imagine. But I'm just curious with the, the various messages that you've received over the years and, and really allowing this gift to blossom, what are some of the greatest messages or the, the greatest revelations that you've come to learn, um, you know, now having one foot in this world and one foot in the other world? It's, it's cliche. It sounds cliche. It's not cliche. <clears throat> Love and connection is what matters. Mm. So simple. And yet we have to overcomplicate it, right? We struggle <laughs> so hard. And I get that it's hard. I sit with people all the time who want to connect with other people, who have been so hurt by other people who want, I mean, this is a, it's a basic human right to feel love. And yet it's so deeply difficult for so many people. And it, again, sometimes loving another human can be really hard, but you can love animals. You can love nature and animals are, I hope you don't hear my animal downstairs barking. Um, Animals are really receptive to love. They want that. They're, they're not blocked by their mind in the way that we are. And connecting with something, finding something that's meaningful, something that brings you joy and purpose and connection is really what it's about. And that makes sense because through connection is where you find love. I mean, that's where you can really ultimately feel uh, the abundance of love and, and touch the joy of love. Um, and we so often allow our ego to get in the way of truly experiencing all that love can do for us and what it can bring to us. And, and love doesn't end when our physical body ends. 
it gets better. <laughs> it gets better, <laughs> right. For sure it does. It gets bigger. It gets fuller. It gets more connected. And I'm always asking my, I call them my peeps on the other side, to, to show me, like, am I on the right path? Am I on the wrong path? Let me know. And that's not them. Sometimes it, it, it does come in the form of, of signs or symbols, but sometimes that comes in the form of me feeling not good about the direction I'm heading. And the mindfulness and the consciousness is what allows me to recognize that and take a step back. So that course that I bought felt really shitty to me. That was my soul speaking to me. I was having anxiety about it. I said to my husband, my husband was like, why are you freaking out about this? Calm down. You don't need to, if you don't want to do it, scrap it. And I, you know, <clears throat> felt such angst around it. And then I realized that was my soul telling me, uh-uh, this is not right. Do not continue on this path or you will continue to feel this way. Hmm. Trusting that internal compass that so many of us ignore. Yeah. So for me, the, the medium piece is really about tuning into my own soul and my own intuition and using those on the other side to help me do that, but not relying on them to be my answer because the answer is within me. Okay. So for guide. those that are listening today who are going, but Amy, I'm not a medium. How the hell do I trust my inner compass? How do you, how do you help people to, to navigate their life so that they can ta you know, tune into their soul purpose and, and find that joy? Well, you have to quiet your mind first. Oh, damn it. I know. Sorry. <laughs> oh, that's so well, hard. There, there's no magic pill for any of this. Prozac, certainly not. Um, but there's no way to connect with that bigger part of yourself until you can quiet your mind enough to really listen. Mm. And trust your gut. I mean, I get this question a lot, you know, from my own clients of, you know, I'm not intuitive. I can't possibly make those decisions. And you absolutely can. The feelings are there. If you trust your emotions, your emotions are your barometer to if something is right or wrong and you mm -hmm. choose to ignore them. Mm-hmm. So trust. Yeah, anxiety is, is a warning sign. Mm, amen. Yes. I hope you guys heard that. Anxiety <laughs> is a no. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Hard no. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, your, it's, it's your mind's way of telling you, hang on, something isn't right here. Now, that may or may not be true. Because the way our minds historically worked was that that's a very primitive response to a truly dangerous situation. And often we're not in that kind of danger anymore. But you will not get eaten by a tiger. You will not, right? You might get eaten by a person who seems like a tiger, but, <laughs> um, but that you can take a, a step back and say, okay, what is this about? A symptom is a warning sign. In, in, a, in a, a physical symptom, an emotional symptom, you know, when we, when we get a bruise, that shows that something underneath is, something got banged up. I, I look at worry and sadness and fear as those are warning signs. So let's understand what that's about. 
Mm-hmm. What a great analogy. What a great analogy to start healing. Well, Amy, I want to thank you so much for saying thank yes you so much and coming onto the show. I knew that yeah. this would be an incredibly enlightening experience. I hope that everybody listening today really is walking away um, with some really great nuggets of information. Um, but I think that ultimately what it comes down to is how can you make your life fulfilling? What, you know, what, what action can you take today to really start a forward motion for more joy, more happiness, you know, getting out of those, um, what I call below the cross emotions of fear, worry, grief, doubt, sadness, all the shitty emotions, just stop doing it and start making conscious decisions to seek joy uh, and happiness in your life. Amy, if uh, the audience would like to learn more about you uh, and all the amazing things that you're doing and your podcast, where do they go? How do they stalk you? Thank you. Yeah, I would love that. Um, So my website's dramyrobbins.com. You can follow me on social media, which I'm, you know, I have a love-hate relationship, probably like everybody else, at Dr. Amy Robbins. And my podcast is anywhere that you can find podcasts. It's Life, Death, and the Space Between. It's on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, everything. So, And my voice doesn't sound like this on all my podcasts, so I apologize. <laughs> totally good. You sound raspy and sexy. We'll take oh, it. Oh, I love that. I love that. My <laughs> husband will like that. I'm going to tell him he needs to listen to this one for sure. <laughs> Thank you again, Amy. Thank you so much. Wasn't that such a great conversation? I mean, this is why I have this podcast, so that I can have on rad people like Amy, and have these incredible conversations. I mean, I think that this is one of the the best ways to enlightenment is, you know, every time you learn something new, it's that old adage, just like Maya Angela said, when you know better, you do better. And I feel like every person that I have on here, every practitioner, every walk of life, I always learn something new. And I want to mention something that I haven't said on the podcast in a while is don't forget about the VIP membership, Elevate Yourself. Um, It's one way that I can extend the conversation beyond this podcast and help people learn how to cultivate their chi. Um, I actually thought about this because um, I'm putting together the talk that I'm going to be doing. We have a, a, a live video that we do, Amy, Ray, and I. Uh, We do Wine and Woo uh, once a month on Wednesdays, and today I actually was putting together that talk, which we're doing Wine and Woo. Um, Part of the discussion that I will be giving is uh, on uh, non-attachment, the the Buddhist philosophy of of non-attachment and non-greed. Uh, which in the Yoganandas, they talk about the Aparagraha. And it's such an important philosophy. And in the talk that I'll be doing for Elevate Yourself, I'm actually going to be sharing uh, some great wisdom that Professor uh, Lin had left with us before he passed away. He had uh, advice on just how to non-attach and let go. And part of that talk, um, this was uh, a short part of that. He said, do not focus on your shortcomings or the shortcomings of others. Do not complain over and over again. You will destroy every good thing that you have created. So you have to ask yourself, are you attached to being better or in competition with others? 
because if you are, you're going down the wrong karmic path. So there's a lot more to this talk. Um, I will be sharing it uh, in the, the live conversation that I have in the membership. But if that's something that you're interested in and, and you've been wanting to cultivate your chi and, and learn a little bit more, don't forget about that. Um, it's why I created it to help people who are trying to learn how to cultivate their chi, learn additional ways to utilize feng shui and transcendental energy practices uh, to elevate, to rise and to take it to the next level. Um, also wanted to mention, don't forget the, uh, eco book, easy everyday habits to be more eco-friendly is in print. It's available on Amazon. Currently it's split for some reason. The ebook is on one page and the print book is on another. I don't know. I've got somebody working on it. Hopefully they can figure that out. I know everybody else has, um, or I know of people that have books on Amazon and they've got, you know, six different versions all on one page. So we're trying to figure that out, but uh, there is two versions. There's an ebook and a, a print book. So um, whichever one you're looking for, just make sure that you uh, see one of them is a, I think it's called a Kindle version. And then of course the print version. So don't get confused. We're confused. <laughs> We're trying to figure it out. Um, and the conversation from the book is being extended at gatesinteriordesign.com forward slash let's chat eco. All right, everyone, I hope that you've enjoyed this conversation today. Be sure to head on over to iTunes and subscribe. Leave us a review. We always love to hear from you. We're hoping that you're loving the show and learning from it. If you'd like to reach out to learn more about me or get a floor plan reading, you can email us at letschatatthegatescompany.com or head on over to our website, gatesinteriordesign.com. All right, everyone. Trust the vibe because the energy never lies.